1: What's good boys and girls? Welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. It is Friday the 26th of February and we are brought to you by eplindex.com. In association with our presenting sponsor Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network. It allows you to go online, keep your data safe, stop the ne'er-do-wells getting hold of your personal information, perhaps scamming you. It also allows you to change your location so if you're you know, if you're in the UK and you want to watch American Netflix, you can just change your location and do that. If you're from the UK, traveling out of the UK, well, if, if and when you're allowed, and you want to use your Now TV, well, Brexit means you no longer can use your Now TV in in the EU. But a VPN will allow you to set your location back to the UK, and that will then enable you to use your Now TV. Check out libertyshield.com. Use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk for all your giftware and homeware needs. Right, folks, it is Friday. The weekend is here, which means football is back. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. We'll see how Liverpool get on on Sunday. February is over. Come Monday, we're in a new month. This year is absolutely flying by. We're coming up on a year since the pandemic really struck these these islands of ours. And, um, you know, we do look to have finally turned a bit of a corner, to quote Gerard Houllier. Hopefully we don't turn three more corners and end up back where we started. But, you know, we can only live in hope. I'm joined as always on a Friday by Mr. Guy Drinkle to preview these week, this week's games. How are you, Guy?
0: I was enjoying my break from football, but now, now we're here.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. This Champions League format, where the it's you know four uh, two ties one week, then two the next or whatever. Four ties one week for the next uh, benefited us this week because we didn't have to watch Liverpool lose again. Uh, but now here it is. Um, <laughs> You know, we get to uh, we get to suffer all weekend in anticipation of the game, and then have our weekend ruined right at the end of the weekend. As opposed to you know, a couple of weeks ago, when we played the early kickoff on the Saturday, and they managed to ruin our weekend right at the start, which was exactly. nice. Then we played Thursday as well, which was smashing. Um, yeah, so there's football, yeah. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. The next day without a Premier League game is Friday, and then it's back into Saturday, Sunday, Monday again. So lots and lots of Premier League football coming up um, as they try and force in games before the international break. But um, yeah, let's let's run through these games then, Guy. We've got 10 games to get through, um, so let's get started on Saturday.
0: Yeah, and probably one of the better ones on paper, at least, Man City-West Ham, which you probably not would have expected (laughs) at the start of the season. But, I mean, West Ham's great season, pretty much continued um, recently. But, as with every Man City game, can West Ham lay a glove on them? I'm not so sure.
1: That's the thing. I mean, West Ham are fourth. They're having an incredible season far outperforming expectations. I think if you'd offered them 45 points at the start of the season, they'd have taken that. I think they'd have bitten your hand off for it. Instead, they have 45 points with 13 games left. Now, this is a very difficult game. Man City away. City are obviously incredible. The Etihad has always been a tough place to go. City have won 19 games in all competitions and 13 games in the Premier League in a row. Uh, The Premier League record for successive wins is 18, shared by themselves and by Liverpool. They set it the year they won the, the title with 100 points. Liverpool matched it last year. And it's almost like City, you know, to pull out that Michael Jordan meme, it's like they've taken it personally and have set about a mission of taking back their record. West Ham are in good form. You know, they had that defeat to Liverpool, but over the last four games, they've won three of those four, with the only points drop in that uh, draw away to Fulham. But since the turn of the year, it's seven wins, one draw, and a defeat. That's a really, really strong run. I can't imagine over the last... Five or six years, they've had a nine-game stretch where they've won seven games. Um, as I've said before, I think David Moyes is the manager of the year. I think the job he's done is incredible. They will have uh, Masawaka ruled out, Albono ruled out, Yarmolenko ruled out, and Ryan Fredericks will have a fitness test. For City, Nathan Aki's is the only player out. He wouldn't be a starter anyway, in all likelihood. Now, maybe... Maybe the long-term plan is that he's the starting left-back. Canseo's the starting right-back, and that allows them to go to that back three of either Stones-Diaz-Aki or Diaz-Laporte-Aki. Canseo moves into midfield next to Rodri when they have possession, and it's that three-box three that has you know, absolutely carved the league open this season. It's very hard to see anything other than a City win. As good as West Ham have been, it's very hard to see anything other than a Man City win here. 13 in a row in the league is insane. They're 17 games unbeaten in the league. I'm going to have to say City. I think it'll be a, a good game. I think West Ham will cause them some trouble. Antonio is a nightmare for anyone to play against. They drew 1-1 when they played in October, but City hadn't hit their stride at that point. I'm going to say City win this game
0: 3-1. Yeah, that's literally what I said on Tad Touch yesterday myself. Um, but we'll move on to West Brom, Brighton, and West Brom struggles, I mean, well documented as are Brightons, and pretty much encapsulated by the the Crystal Palace game on Monday, I didn't watch Mm. it, but simply just looking at the stats, you just went, ah, Brighton played. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it's happened quite a lot this season, but can, can something like that happen this close together? I mean, West Brom plays somewhat similar to Crystal Palace, not as good, obviously, but you'd expect Brighton to dominate this game and have the... Possession of the ball, most chances, etc. Can, can they be that wasteful in front of goal two games in a row?
1: Well, they can because they've been that wasteful in front of goal most of the season. That's true. Um, yeah. Uh, Brighton are really frustrating because everything else works quite well except that ability to put the ball in the back of the net. They create chances. They're good in transition. They're good in defensive transition. They're good out of possession defensively they've been very strong their XG against is really good they don't allow a lot of easy shots but they just can't put the ball in the back of the net I mean they battered Crystal Palace there can be no other term for it that they absolutely battered them and somehow managed to lose the game they sit 16th West Brom are 19th. Now, West Brom obviously have been somewhat of a train wreck since Big Sam took over. In their last 10 games, they've won one and drawn three with with six defeats. That's not really acceptable at all. Um, Since Big Sam took over, it's... Seven defeats, four, three draws. Sorry, four draws and and that win, that one win. It's not good enough. It's not what he was hired to do. I don't know how much longer they'll bother sticking with it because he's clearly not going to be the manager next season when they when they're in the championship, and he hasn't managed to turn things around. In fact, it's gotten worse under him than it was under Billich, but they've only won two games all season. And that's really not acceptable for for any Premier League team. Um, they will cause Brighton some problems. I think the the January signings they're actually you know, they're solid players. They're looking decent, but I don't think they've got enough. And I, and I think their defense is catastrophic. It's the worst in the league by a country mile. Um, they've conceded fifty five goals. Nobody else has conceded more than forty three. Brighton obviously don't score a ton, but they have scored 26 goals this season, which isn't bad um, in 25 games. You'd ideally like that to be more around 36, given how much of of the ball they've had. But you'd have to see them as favourites to win this game. Now, prior to that Palace game, they were on a really good run. In the previous six games, they'd won three and drawn three. They'd beaten Leeds, beaten Spurs, and beaten Liverpool. So they were in good form going into that Palace game. What you're looking for here is a big reaction. And I'm hopeful that they'll get it. I think it'll be a slog. I think West Brom will make it a nasty game. Not nasty, but just a you know a bit unpleasant to watch. I'm going to say Brighton eke out a 2-1 away win. Actually, just let me check. Hmm. Jay, Snodgrass and Gibbs out for... West Brom and Doni. There's a chance Lampy is back. Mm. He, he's only going to make the bench if he is back. But there's a chance he's back. If he's back, that will obviously make a difference. Adam Webster being out is a big, big blow for Brighton, mm-hmm. though. But I'm still going to stick with the two-one.
0: Yeah, I mean, when Lampy comes back, it'll be interesting to see if the I think the played like half a back four, half a back three. If Lamptey comes back, maybe he can play as a winger. Because Veltman's done well by most accounts, so
1: Yeah, he has he has done well. And and maybe if if Lamptey is, is coming on in this game, it probably makes more sense to bring him on as a winger and move to more of a you know four, two, three, one or a four, four, two or whatever play him and Troussard as out-and-out wingers, mm. Mopay up front, McAllister behind, mm-hmm. um, maybe Davy Proper and Basuma in midfield, though Davy Proper seems to be majorly out of favour with Graham Potter. Um, so maybe Pascal Gross plays in next to Basuma. Mm. Um, and that way you get White and Dunk as your, your centre-back, pairing Dan Burns and Veltman as your full-backs. That probably works a lot better. Than anything else they could do But I haven't seen Graham Potter play a 4 3 one This season so who knows
0: Yeah he does like
1: uh,
0: To put what, what do you call them? <laughs> empty shirts in midfield <laughs> uh,
1: Loves yeah. an empty shirt If he yeah. can get a solid 45 minutes of the game With his team playing with 10 men He is in absolute Nirvana It's incredible I mean, he's, he's
0: doing a great job if he's gotten safe without with
1: playing ten men. <laughs> I think that's what he's doing. I think that's what he's going to put down in a CV. Kept the team up while constantly playing with ten men. Um, nine men with Wilbur. Uh, yeah, nine men when Danny Welbeck plays. Uh, I
0: mean, it, it works for him. Um, but yeah, I think I think that'll be. <laughs> I don't know. I enjoy watching Brighton, but West Brom games are a bit of a bit of a slog. But we'll move on. Um, probably one of the g- games of the weekend on paper. I mean, maybe affected by Grealish. Uh, I think he had been missing. I think Dean Smith confirmed that as well in his presser no. yesterday. It is Leeds against Villa. I mean, Leeds have a lot of injury problems themselves. I'm sure you'll you've got a list in front of you. But Villa missing Grealish. I mean, th- that that's huge, and we've seen Villa's form suffer. Even with Grealish there, to be fair, but he, he is obviously a monumental miss.
1: Oh, yes, he's hu- he's a huge miss for them. Um, so Villa are eighth going into this. Leeds are tenth. Leeds will know that they can jump Villa with a win in this one. Um, Villa will be without Matty Cash. That's also a massive one. He's now back in training, but he's still a couple of weeks away. Courtney hauser he's a, a, you know a depth centre-back, whatever. Wesley is now... Fourteen months into the recovery from an injury that he was expected to be back to be back uh, within ten months from, and then Grealish, um, apparently he could be back on Tuesday or it could be next weekend. They're saying they'll let Grealish decide himself. This may well be shin splints. He had a hmm. shin issue. The season they came up, he missed. I want to say he missed 12 games with a shin issue and I'm wondering if this is a reoccurrence of that um it's it, it it's bad timing for them because their form hasn't been brilliant over the last little while if you go back to the start of this year they lost to United then their Everton game was postponed because of covid then they lost to Man City They beat Newcastle. They lost to Burnley. They beat Southampton. They lost to West West Ham. They beat Arsenal. They drew it um, with Brighton, and then lost to Villa. Now, there's not a bunch of them that you'd look at and say, "Oh well, you know, that's a bad result." Though, you know, losing to Burnley is a bad result when you're a top half team. We know what that feels like. Um, I think they'll have been disappointed with their performances of late. They didn't play well against Arsenal. They really didn't play well in the win over Southampton, um, and and they weren't good against West Ham, Brighton, or or Leicester. So, it is five games in the spin where they haven't played well. Grealish, you know, was there for four of them. Didn't play, three, maybe three of them didn't play well. He hasn't been particularly good since Barkley got injured, and Barkley hasn't been good since he came back. So, with the two of them, kind of having a dip in form, that's got to be a concern for them. Now. Without Grealish, there's a chance they just go 4-2-3-1 and play pacey wingers both sides and try and use their pace against Leeds, try and counter-attack them. Because you know Leeds are going to leave themselves open. Leeds will be without Robin Cock. That's a big one. He should be playing centre-back. Uh, Matthias Glick is uh, having a fitness test. Perardi's still out. Rodrigo's still out. Forshaw's still out. Paveda's still out. Phillips is still out, and Jamie Shackleton is out. So a lot of injury issues for Leeds. A lot of injury issues for Leeds. And you wonder how much that comes down to the physical toll that's put on them because of the style of play. Like, there's at least four of them are muscle injuries. So, you know, soft tissue problems tend to come from uh, being overloaded in terms of your chronic load. So. We'll see. Uh, Bielsa's teams have had problems with that in the past. It's kind of the one the one big knock on him. Um, Leeds have been... I mean, for a, for a newly promoted team, you can't really argue. They don't draw many games. They've only drawn two games all season. Hmm. In their last seven, they've won four and lost three. The last nine, they've won four and lost five. But the last hmm. 11, they've won six. And, and lost five. So, you know, they're, they're just one of those teams. They win a couple, they lose a couple. They win one, they lose one. They lose a couple, they win a couple. I, I'm going to say Leeds win this game. I think at home, with Rafinha in the form he's in, with Bamford in the form he's in, I, I think Leeds win the game. I'm going to say 2-0 to Leeds.
0: Yeah, I was talking to you about this yesterday. I think I think the most impressive thing from a Leeds perspective is, they're having this season where the tenth. They can't really defend, but that's due to the style and injuries because they've had fit one fit centre back all season. But they've only added really one player to the starting eleven. And that's Rafinha because Rodrigo not cemented a place down, and as I said, the centre backs have been injured. So it's a team that came up straight from the championship and now mm. tenth.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that's the thing. It's just that he is—he's really special. So hmm. that that is a massive addition. But like you say, like uh, the other signings they made in the summer, Cock was in the team, then got hurt. Loriente's just been hurt the whole time. Now, he did play against Southampton, so hopefully he's able to play again this weekend. But they might hold him back. They might just not want to overplay him at this point, having you know missed half a season already. Um yeah, it's, it is incredible. Just that the the mentality of that team that came up from the championship with one great addition and their top half and their comfortable top half. Like, this is not like a fluky thing. This is not like they've had some weird run where they put together five or six wins in a row or, you know, four wins and a couple of draws in a row. This is a team that is literally win one, lose one, win one, lose one. And they're, they gambling that they'll win enough over the course of the season to get where they want to go. And I think next season we'll probably see a bit more consistency for, from them. We'll see more additions in the summer. Um, as and, you know, it's, it's the complete opposite of Villa last season when they came up where they basically bought a new team mm. and then almost got relegated.
0: To be fair, half their team was on loan. <laughs> so they had to buy a team, but yeah, I, do. I get the point. It, it it It's a strange one, isn't it? It's, uh, if, as we say, if Leeds, if the other signings can settle as well, half as well as Rafinha, have, they'll they'll be pushing. I don't know, top eight. It's a it's a mad season. Um, but we'll move on from that one and the polar opposite of a game because I think Leeds Villa could be a madness. Uh, do you reckon there'll be more than one goal in Newcastle v Wolves?
1: Um. <laughs> It's hard to say. Wolves have been very boring this season. I think they're the most boring team in the league in terms of what you should expect from them, given the talent they have and what they actually produce. Newcastle have been an abomination for months now. They've won two games since the middle of October. Um, two, Two wins from 14, eight points from those 14 games, eight points from 42 available. They were doing quite well to that point. They'd won five games and drawn two of their first twelve, and they've just been catastrophically bad ever since. Um, The wins over Everton and Southampton—the Southampton one was quite was quite fortunate. I felt like Southampton deserved at least a point from that one. Um, The win over Everton was a big surprise, but they they look like a team that is going down. When you watch them play, there doesn't look to be any real belief in the team. There doesn't look to be any belief in the manager. He doesn't look like he believes they can stay up either. Um, and obviously, they've got some injury issues as well. Callum Wilson is out. Javi Manquillo is out. Uh, F- Fabian Schär is out. And Federico Fernandez could be back. But Steve Bruce said yesterday this game might just come a bit too early for him. So, you know. Two centre-backs, their best right-back and their main source of goals all missing. Whereas Wolves, Pedence is out, Willie Bolly's out, Mercalli is out and obviously Jimenez with the fractured skull. So again, their main source of goals, I would say their best centre-back and their most, I suppose, creative midfielder in Pedence, mm. all missing. So it does sort of, it leans towards a very low-scoring affair. Mm. But Wolves have been better of late. They've won three of four. Mm. They're unbeaten in those four. Now that came off the back of a run of eight games without a win, where they drew three and lost five. So their form hasn't been particularly good either up until recently. I think it'll be a low-scoring 1-0 win to Wolves.
0: Yeah, you can't really disagree. On Wolves for a second, do, do you think... The Pedence injury, he's obviously a good player, but do you think that's helped settle the team down? Because the, the last couple of seasons, Nuno, maybe apart from like bringing Dendonka into midfield, the odd game, he didn't really change the team. Whereas this season, he's changing formation, he was changing the front line every mm. game. It, he seems to have finally settled down. I'm not sure if it's settled down in the back line, but the front line in, in midfield seems to have finally settled into some sort of normality, at least.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that's fair. I think I think Nuno's just, he had, he had too many options and they didn't all fit into the 3-4-3 three, three that he wants to play. I mean, that is what he wants to play. It's what he's played most of his time at Wolves. Pedence doesn't fit in a 3-4-3. Three, three, and he really wanted to get Pedence in the team. So he went, you know, 3-4-1-2. We saw Neto play as a wing-back. We saw Adama play as a wing-back. We saw Adama out of the team. We saw Pedence kind of Shanghai in as a winger. Uh, we saw him play as a false nine in one game when Jimenez went down. That was ugly. Um, Podence is a good player, but I don't think he's good enough to warrant changing your system for. And while he's a more... He's a more productive player than Adama. I think Adama affects the game in more ways because Mm. of how quickly he can turn. And four people off the back. (laughs) That's the thing. you know. He he can get defence to attack in a split second. And one of the big things for Wolves over their time in the Premier League has been how quickly they transition from their defensive set, which is that back three with the the holding midfielder sat right in front of them and then the fullbacks sort of a little bit advanced to to try and hit on the counter and support Doherty on one side well Johnny Otto's more of a defender anyway but Doherty was always ready and willing to go on the break this season they've got Semedo there he's a much better player than Doherty he's not quite as good I don't think in terms of being uh, you know a fulcrum of attack but what he is really good at is he's good at shifting the ball quickly. So he picks the ball up and he's immediately playing it forward to Neto or Adama, both of whom can pick the ball up and carry it. Worry defenders. And what it does is it it allows them to put fear into other teams. And when you watch Wolves play, and when they're playing well and they've got those two in the team, their opponents don't over commit. They don't really tend to try and pin them back into their own half because they know if we lose the ball and if one of them get the ball, then we've got 11 lads or 10 lads having to chase back and they've got 10 lads chasing forward. So I think it keeps teams more honest against them. I think it does help them. And look, having an actual striker now in William Jose, just as somebody that can they can play off, that helps as well. So, yeah, I do think the injury to Bedans has actually helped them settle down and, and find more cohesion in the team.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think if they figure out defensively, they've got the young wing-backs, um, Semedo in front of Hoever, obviously. Um, Center-back seems to still be an issue, as you said, the mm. all out. out. Um, but Cody good for that system, good good for that level.
1: Um, Kilman Kill, is good. Kill, Killman, yeah, Max Kilman has looked good it. this season. I've yeah. been impressed with him. Um, and obviously they've been playing, you know, Dan Donker can play centre-back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roman size now, you know, he's likely to leave in the summer. But they, mm-hmm. they've they needed to address the centre-back situation since they came up and they still haven't. And it's a, it is a part mm-hmm. of why they are where they are in the table. Did mean, you just didn't... commit
0: like Hoiver at right centre back or something like that?
1: I mean you could. The doubt that Liverpool had was whether he was going to be big enough and strong enough to play centre mm. back. Now that's in the Liverpool system of a, of mm. two centre backs and you want they want aerially dominant centre backs. Um I, I yeah, I think Hoiver's kind of stuck in that he's he's more a right back than a right wing back and he's more a right-back than a centre-back in a four. So in a three, I do think he absolutely could play that right-side centre-back role. So they'd have Semedo at right-wing back, him at right-centre-back, Aiden Uri at left-wing back. They'd need to buy that middle centre-back and a left-side centre-back. Now, Kilman, like I say, is good, but I think I'd want someone better, considering if I've got Den Donker. And Neves in midfield And those two wing backs we've mentioned And I've got Rui Patricio in goal Mm -hmm. And then I've got Adama um, Raul Jimenez when he's back Mm. And Neto up front I probably do want someone of a higher level than Kilman Because if I've got that team I'm probably eyeballing Excuse me, I'm probably eyeballing top six If I'm honest I'm probably eyeballing top six And thinking there's no reason I can't do that because I've got I've got the quality all over the pitch and I just don't think he's quite of that level.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can certainly see that. We we know the ambition of their owners and stuff. Um, but yeah, I can't see Newcastle Wolves being the one to watch from the weekend. Um, but an important game, and this is the first Sunday game which is on the BBC for people who are interested, it is Palace v Fulham. Um we mentioned newcastle there in in terms of heading towards relegation presumably that means fulham will be the one taking advantage of that and Harless palace i know they beat brighton As mm. azahares palace nonetheless like, it must be an opportunity for fulham this should not
1: it it absolutely is i mean this could well be the weekend that they get out of the uh, out of the bottom 3 you know if they win and newcastle lose they swap spots They'll be ahead of Newcastle on goal difference, and um they'll deserve it as well because they've you know they have improved. They've been a lot better of late um, after that horrendous first eleven games where they lost eight eight times, they've only lost three times since and they've drawn far too many games. um they drew five in a row, then lost two in a row, then drew two in a row, then lost and drew. So they did go a long run there, uh, 11 games without a win. But in their last three, they beat Fulham. They drew it. Sorry, they beat Fulham. They beat Everton. They drew it. Burnley away, which was a, a solid result. And they um, they beat Sheffield United. It's four games unbeaten. It's their second-best unbeaten streak of the season. But the most points they've put together in, in any four or five or six-game stretch um, which is really good, really important for them at this point in the season. This one will be difficult because it's Palace, and you know what Hodgie's like. You know how he's going to set his team up. He, you know, He's not going to play to win. He's going to play to not lose. Palace have just always got loads of players injured. So this weekend, Tompkins, Ferguson, Hennessy, Sacco, Schlupp, Zaha, Wickham, And MacArthur all ruled out. Now, admittedly, only three or four of them would be starters. I'd say four. MacArthur, Zaha, Schlupp, and Sackle would be starters. I think James Tompkins is their second best Mm centre-back. But he is always injured. So, you know, you can't really really put too much into that. Nathan Ferguson, if he'd ever been fit, would have been the right-back. But he's still out injured. He hasn't played all season. Um... It's tough for them because they have a smaller squad. They don't have, you know, excess quality, but they get by. For Fulham, they've only got the two injuries. Mitrovic has a chance of making this one. Tom Kearney's ruled out. I'm going to say it's a 1 1 stinker at Selhurst Park. Hodgie, delighted with himself. Um, Palace are 13th, 32 points. He's obviously eyeballing the, the forty-three to forty-five point sweet spot that he loves so very much. Yeah, I think a 1-1 one, one is is the is the outcome here. Fulham love a draw. Ten draws this season. Only Brighton have drawn more games.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I think I mean if Fulham win this, which is very possible, mm.
1: uh,
0: I mean I know you don't like Parker, but could could it be the first stepping stone of building something? Because you mentioned Villa surviving by the skin of the teeth last season. Do you see something similar with Fulham if they if they do stay up?
1: I mean, it's possible. Um, They've been massively helped by the fact that Newcastle have done what they've done. I think if Newcastle had even been competent over the last three months, it wouldn't have been possible. Now, look, they'd still be, you know close to, to Brighton but I think you'd back Brighton to stay up over them mm-hmm. um, they'd be you know, six points behind Burnley you're definitely backing dice to keep Burnley up I think it's a combination he, he has improved for sure he seems to have settled on a system and a team that works he's built some partnerships at centre back in midfield and in an attack the arrival of Josh Maga has helped um, yeah. just getting them a goal scorer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he is giving Luckman a lot more responsibility in terms of, you know, chance creation, carrying the ball, etc. So, yeah, I mean, it is possible. But like I say, he's the reason they're there to begin with. And that to me is is very hard to overcome. I didn't think Villa almost got relegated last season because of Dean Smith. I thought mm. Dean Smith kept them up. But with Fulham, if they if they do go down, it I think Parker's the biggest reason for it. And mm. if they stay up, I kind of feel like it may in part be in spite of Parker, despite the fact I do think over the past 12 to 14 games, he's definitely improved compared to where he was, but with that mm. squad, like I just don't see how that squad, like they've got a better squad than Fulham, a better squad mm. than Brighton, a better squad than Burnley, a better squad than Palace. I just don't see how they they are where they are with mm. that squad. There's so much talent in that group.
0: If they, if they got the if they got the signings in at the start of the summer window, I pro- they'd probably be comfortably safe now, even in spite of Parker, I think because they did have Dennis Adi at the start of the season, who is the Parker worst football. Them. He loved them. He did, but as soon as he got Anderson and um, Adebayo, I'm going to go with. Um, he did. He did settle on them, and they've been the mainsters since.
1: They have, and and he went with Robinson at left back rather than um, Joe Bryan, who helped him yeah. get promoted. He brought Ola Aina into the team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but he was, he was used like you know, if you play Tim Ream mm. and Michael Hector and Dennis, like you're just you're asking for trouble and you know he didn't seem to know what shape he wanted to play at all he didn't seem to know you know what the game plan was going to be you watched them play and there was just an aimlessness to them that it was just so strange to watch i i just can't i can't get over how poor they were mm. at the start like I said, it wasn't just like the first Four or five games. It was a sustained mm-hmm. run of being dreadful. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, if they stay up, congratulations to them. Mm-hmm. I would still replace them personally mm-hmm. because well, I think he me puts you put the ceiling should... on what you can do.
0: Who should go first, Bruce or Parker?
1: Bruce. Oh, yeah. 100% Bruce because Fulham are trending upwards and you don't want to change anything while you're trending in the right direction so even though i think scott parker is at best a championship level manager at this point i still and i still think he's a worse manager than steve bruce i think he's the worst manager in the league but the team are moving in the right direction you don't Mm -hmm. want to upset the apple cart with newcastle they need to do a complete 180 like they Mm -hmm. have to turn things around or they are plummeting plummeting to the championship Mm -hmm. And to be fair, Parker's already 18 months a manager, whereas Bruce has had, had his ups and now I mean, he's, Bruce must outdated. Be... he's outdated is Bruce manager. Is years now. as a manager? He must be close on 20 years. Hang on one sec. <sighs> so
0: that's probably just in the Premier League. When did Birmingham come up?
1: 20 years. Yeah. When will Birmingham He took like over Sheffield 2000? United in 1998. Right? So he was Sheffield United in ninety-eight for one season. Left there to go to Huddersfield. Was at Huddersfield just under 16 months. Then was out of work for six months. Took over kind of a short-term spell at Wigan. Jumped to Palace. Lasted 18 games. Then he went to Birmingham in 2001. So he'd been a manager for about three and a half years. And he was already on his fifth club, which is just not good. Mm. Um you know his his Birmingham team. I mean, he he won a hundred games and lost a hundred games. So, you know that that is what it is. Uh, then he goes, he leaves there to go to Wigan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's at Wigan just under two years. He leaves there to go to Sunderland. That a weird career, isn't he? That just a bizarre career. Then he goes, he gets sacked by Sunderland after two years. Mm. Does poorly, gets sacked. Goes to Hull does quite well at Hull, and yeah, in credit to him. him. Yeah. does well at Hull. I think he got them promoted twice, maybe? Once, anyway.
0: He got them FA Cup final, and then the owner went mental, didn't he?
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, he, he got them promoted, got them to the FA Cup final. They got relegated. He got them promoted again, and then he got sacked towards the end of that season. Oh, no, he left in the middle of the season. Yeah, and He Mike left feeling, in the middle of the season cause, cause they, they, yeah, because they him. um broke a lot of promises to him. So he got them promoted, and then walked out. Then he went to Villa and, he, look, he got an awful lot of abuse that he didn't deserve. He did okay, um, but he couldn't bring them back up. Went to, to Sheffield Wednesday for 18 games, was meant to stay there and then walked out because he got offered the Newcastle job. And at Newcastle, he's had 75 games in charge. He's won 23, drawn 19 and lost 33 for a 30.7% win ratio. His career win ratio in nine hundred and seventy nine games is thirty seven point nine percent. He's won three hundred and seventy one and lost three hundred and sixty two. He is what he is as a manager. That's never going to change. But it actually is mental to think that he's only twenty one games shy of a thousand as a manager. Good God! Like if he works out the rest of the season with with the tune, there's thirteen games left. So. He will end up on nine nine two. He'll be eight games short of a thousand by the end of the season if he sees out the season.
0: And if they stay up, he's not getting sacked, unless they get no
1: the That's the thing. He's not getting sacked if they stay up. He may not even get sacked if they go down, because oh he's the ideal punching bag for Mike Ashley to hide behind. Like, it's there's not even true. a murmur that he's going to get sacked. Nah, it's true. I'm following all the Newcastle journalists, checking in on Newcastle, you know Newcastle podcasts and stuff. Mm -hmm. There's not a word of him getting sacked. They all want him sacked. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks he should be, but now everybody agrees he's a lovely man. Mm -hmm. Everybody agrees he's a really good man who is doing his very best at the club. He's just not good enough. He's not a Premier League manager. He is a Championship manager. He might get you promoted, but he will get you relegated. He's a championship manager, he's not Mm. a Premier League manager, and he's certainly not a Premier League manager for one of the bigger clubs in the country. Mm. He probably was a Premier League mid to
0: mid to late two thousand or to the
1: yeah. I mean, I'd say you know there was a a time at Hull where he was probably a a Premier League manager. Um, At Birmingham, definitely was a couple of years there where he was good enough in the Premier League.
0: In the first year or so,
1: yeah, yeah, definitely, Um, but. He's also a short-term manager, mm-hmm. you know. Like, like, like I say, a short, short-term. The only clubs he's managed over a hundred games: Birmingham, Hull, and Villa. And at Villa, it was literally a hundred and two. Birmingham and Hull. I mean, there was a lot of Championship football there, and there's not real ambition at either club. Well, certainly not Birmingham at that time. They were just delighted to be in the Premier League. Um, They didn't have owners with, with, you know, deep pockets. Villa, unfortunately for him, have owners with very deep pockets. And um, they they had much bigger ambitions than him. Unfortunately, with Newcastle, for their fans, the owner doesn't have the ambition. So, they're kind of stuck with him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, So, what all for Palace Fulham, which you said, didn't you? Yeah. Um, And moving on to Leicester Arsenal, Brendan Rodgers' troubles in Europe continue um, as they got knocked out by, was it Slavia Prague, was it?
1: Slavia Prague, yeah, 2-0 at home. Brendan's um, now 0-6 in uh, Europa League knockout games, other than, you know, play-ins that nobody Mm. cares about. Uh, He's had one goal in the Champions League. And no, Liverpool were no. absolutely embarrassed. No. We, we no we don't need through that friend. group, and then they were embarrassed again in the knockout phases of the Europa League, having fallen into that. He was embarrassing with Celtic. Um, he's been, you know, he's just he's he's not a manager who can do it in Europe. It's I,
0: what why why is it so different? Because regardless how we feel about Brendan, he's a good man. He's certainly a very good Premier League manager, but. Why can't he just simply do it in Europe? Because I'm not going to lie. I know nothing of Slavia Prague. I don't know if they're good or not. But that Leicester team who are third or second in the Premier League should beat Slavia Prague.
1: Well, look, in my view, any Premier League team should beat Slavia Prague. And that's not being disrespectful to the Czech League. But the Czech League is not anywhere close to the calibre of the Premier League. If I... If Sheffield United, now maybe not this season, if, if, look, regardless, if Sheffield United were playing Slavia Prague, I would expect Chris Wilder to get the win there. Um, I don't know what it is with Brendan. It is the strangest thing. Because he is, like he's a good Premier League manager, there's no doubt. Um, his team plays great football. But something about European football, just he cannot get his head around. Whether it's that he doesn't have enough knowledge of, international leagues whether he just doesn't respect them I, I don't know, but you look at the team they put out last night, it's a strong 11, Schmeichel in goal Amarty, Evans Sayonchu and Thomas at the back that's, you know Pereira and Castagne coming in but that's their starting centre-backs and starting goalkeeper and the starting holding midfielder in Ndidi Thielemans played, Hamza Chowdhury came into midfield from Addison mm-hmm. Uh Brighton came in for Barnes. Cheng under came in on the right wing of well. Brighton actually switched across from right to left. But Vardy played. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. they, they had a strong team. So Harvey Barnes is probably the only fit starter this in. And the fullbacks you said Uh Harvey there. Barnes. Yeah, the two fullbacks were on the bench. They were both fit. So this Madison's injured, isn't he? Uh Madison's injured, yeah. Um what is actually wrong with Madison? Madison has a groin Slash hip slash pelvic issue, um. So yeah, he's out for a little while. Morgan's out. Justin's done for the season with his ACL. I- I- Elzy Perez is out. Wes Fafana is out probably for another week or two, mm-hmm. and then Dennis Pryat is out for at least another six weeks. So look, they do have some injury problems, but there's no excuse for that. No, I I I don't accept any excuse. For them losing at home. Now I know Slavia Prague have some good players. It's I know they. The
0: team of Thomas Sucheks or something.
1: <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like it's not eleven Thomas Sucheks Do You know, there's some good players in that team, and and the kid that scored the goal, uh, Sima, very very talented. But there's some bad players in the team as well, and their good players aren't as good as your good players. And it's not just a thing that it's like it's the Leicester players because it happened at Celtic where he had embarrassing results in Europe as well. Um, it happened at Liverpool where he had embarrassing results in Europe. I don't know what it is with Brendan that just causes them to do different things in Europe. Like you'd imagine his way of playing should be, should be good enough to do pretty well in Europe. But I mean, In the Champions League at Celtic, they beat Lincoln Red Imps, 3-1 on aggregate, having lost the first leg 1-0 away. (laughs) Lincoln Red Imps, a team from Gibraltar, they beat Astana of Kazakhstan, 3-2 on aggregate, scraped through. They beat Hapoel Beer Sheva, 5-4 on aggregate, having lost 2-0 away in the second leg. They got beat 7-0 by Barcelona. They drew 3-3 with City, which is the best result they had in Europe under him. Uh, They got beaten by Gladbach, drew at home with Gladbach, lost away to Barca, and drew with City when City played quite a weakened team in the second leg. That's the first season. They go out. Uh, they go out of the Champions League, bottom of the group with three points from six games and no wins. This is the same Celtic that used to take Barca and Real, or sorry, Barca and Juve into Celtic Park and just turn up the heat and make them crap themselves. Um, in the the following season, then they beat Linfield 6-0 on aggregate. They beat Rosenberg 1-0 on aggregate. They beat Astana again uh eight, 4 on aggregate having having lost 4-3 in the second leg um they went into a group of, they I mean they did get a tough group again they got Byr- uh, Bayern PSG and Anderlecht um they beat Anderlecht away 3 nil. they lost all five of the other games but on account of only and they 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 shipped seven again to PSG it's just embarrassing but they um They had a minus 13 goal difference, uh, whereas Anderlecht had minus 15. So they scraped into the Europa League. They beat Zenit and Petersburg 1-0 away and then lost 3-0 in Russia. And that was the end of that European adventure for Brendan and the boys. And then in his third season, they beat Alish Kurt, who I've never heard of, from Armenia, 6-0. They beat Rosenberg 3-1. And then they go out to AEK Athens in the third qualifying round for the Champions League. Um, no mad disrespect there. Like AEK Athens are a decent team. They beat Sadova to go into the playoff round of uh, sorry, in the playoff round of the Europa League. They played Red Bull, Salzburg, RB Leipzig and Rosenberg. Now credit to them. They beat Leipzig 2 1. They beat Rosenberg 1 0 away and 1 0 at home. They lost both games to Salzburg and they lost away in Leipzig. Leipzig were mortified to go out of that group, though. There was absolute shenanigans. They went through, they finished second place behind Salzburg and then Valencia beat them 3-0, 3-0 on aggregate. And then in his final season, that was, sorry, that was his final season. That was his final season. He walked away that year. Um. Yeah. Yeah, his last act as Celtic manager was basically to lose to uh, Valencia in the uh, the round of 32 in the Europa League. So he was dreadful there. He's been obviously poor this year with Leicester. They beat a couple of pub teams and like plumbers and stuff in the group stage. Uh, Disaster at Liverpool. I, I don't know what it is. I genuinely don't know what it is with him in Europe. But it's him. It's not the players. It's not the teams. It's him. Because the season he left Liverpool, Mm. what happened? Europa League final. (laughs) Europa League final. So it wasn't the players. The players Mm. were capable. It was him. It is
0: weird. It is. I mean, if you bring folks back to the game, I mean, Arsenal, not exactly in great form. Um, No. Would you make Leicester favourites for this? I mean, coming off the disappointment midweek, I, I or... think
1: they'll. I think they'll need a reaction. I think he'll mm. he'll demand a reaction, and obviously now that's one path towards you know silverware and, and potential Champions League football gone for them now. Uh, Leicester are on a good run of form. Um, over their past twelve games, they've only lost one, four draws, seven wins. Uh, In the last four, they've won three and drawn one. Only defeat since the time they've lost 2-0 at home to Everton was that 3-1 reversal against Leeds. Now, the issue for them, for Leicester this season, is that they've lost six times. Five of them have been at home. Their only away defeat was at Anfield. They lost at home to West Ham, at home to Villa, at home to Fulham, at home to Everton, at home to Leeds. So they're losing at home against teams they should beat. I mean, every one of those games, they should have won. Leicester, West Ham at the time, they should have beat them. Uh, Villa, they should have beat. Definitely should have beat Fulham. Definitely should have beat Everton. Look, Leeds can go and do that to pretty much anybody. But again, Leicester should be beating them. As you say, Arsenal come into this one in, in kind of iffy form. They've lost three or four. Now, mitigating circumstances, the Wolves game, they had two players sent off. They were dominating until Louise got sent off. Uh, the Villa game, then they had uh, Leno suspended. And then the other defeat was to Man City. They did beat Leeds 4-2. Before this run of three defeats and four, they'd won five of seven with two draws. and They had turned things around. Uh, they knocked out Benfica in the Europa League to advance. Uh, a really entertaining game and quite a, you know, quite an entertaining end to it because they look like they'd thrown it away and um, Aubameyang just steps up again to uh, to put them through but great game of football it must be said absolutely great game of football in, in Greece uh, The this was moved because of the Covid thing so I'm wondering Liverpool and Man City are due to play their second and, and so and Chelsea told you to play their second legs of the Champions League at home. I, I, I'm guessing they're not going to be allowed now. I'm guessing they'll have to move them, which is, you know, it's going to be interesting. Why that game had to be played in Greece of all places? I don't know. Now the first leg was played in Rome, so you had an English team and a Portuguese team, and they played one leg in Rome and one in Greece.
0: It's pretty pointless at this stage, Absolutely
1: isn't it? Absolutely mental. <laughs> uh, Arsenal have drawn Olympiacos actually for the next round, so they'll they'll be confident of progressing there. But you know, it's not really relevant. They must have played
0: Olympiacos about a hundred every times.
1: year. Mm. Every year they play Olympiacos. They normally beat them as well. Um, do you know? What? Leicester should win this game. They're the better team. They have mm. largely the better players, but without Madison. Mm. Without Justin, Mm -hmm. I think Arsenal have a real chance here. Aubameyang's found a bit of form, which had obviously been gone missing for, well, the entire season, really. Um, He's playing on Smith Rowe is tremendous. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Arsenal beat them. I think Arsenal beat them 2-1.
0: Yeah, I think without no, Madison. Three two.
1: Three two. Loads yeah.
0: of I think without Madison, what are we think in all Brighton and under behind Vardy? it's not exactly Oh Barnes is back. Barnes is there as well, obviously. It's not great though, is it? No, I mean it's a lot of onus on Harvey Barnes, isn't it?
1: So yeah. Exactly. I'd... It's still really young and it's still a lot of pressure and he's been the one mm. to carry quite a lot of the attacking load this season. Yeah,
0: it'd be a tough one. But tis Arsenal. That's the main thing. There it is Arsenal. Um. But yeah, I think that I think that'll be a good game. Um. But moving on to Spurs against Burnley. Now we talked about bad form. Um. Uh, well, we'll we'll get to. Don't worry, lads. It's Sheffield United, Liverpool will come. So there's there's worse form to come. But Spurs against Burnley I ain't. Mean, Spurs' season's just since topping the table, then losing it was seemingly. It, it's just. Gone to pot. It's it's hor- it's horrendous now. There's infighting. Training's been criticised now. It's it. marino' second season, which is usually the good one.
1: Yeah, and it's only really his first season because he took over yeah, like true. midway through last season. Um, they did get a good result last night. They beat, or not last night, the night before they beat Wolfsburg or four nil in the um the second leg of the Europa League. Now, they played in in London, so maybe it was just because Wolfsburg were coming from Portugal or Benfica were coming from Portugal. That's why that game couldn't be played. Um, and they got Dinamo Mozagreb in the draw. Uh, yeah, they've lost five of six, which is fairly awful. Um, defeats to Liverpool, Brighton, Chelsea, City and West Ham. It's not like they've lost to bad teams. Is what I'll say. Yes, Liverpool are in terrible form. Still a really good team. Brighton are a decent team. Chelsea, it was a very close game. Chelsea needed a penalty. Spurs probably deserved a draw. They beat West Brom 2-0. They lost to City. Everybody's losing to City. And they lost to West Ham, who were just in much better form than them. It is a crappy run. It is something they'll, they'll need to rectify. Things were going oh so well for them up until... Week nineteen, you know they beat Sheffield United away in week nineteen. They're fifth in the league. Everything's rosy in and around the Champions League spots, and it, it has all capitulated. They're now ninth. Um, they, they've failed to score in a couple in, in three of their last six games. They've only scored more than one twice. That was the West Brom game. Everybody scores more than one against them, except except Liverpool. They're, they're going to need to turn this around. They have, they have Burnley, then they have Fulham, then they have Villa. They need, they need three wins from those games. They need three wins. Uh, Burnley's at home, Fulham and Villa are away, but they need three wins from those games. Um, I think they'll get a win here. Burnley are in okay form. They're unbeaten in four, but only one win in that four. That was away to Palace. They've drawn three home games to Brighton, Fulham, and West Brom games they will have felt like they should win and they were so poor against west brom west brom played 60 minutes with 10 men and still looked a better team um injury wise i mean spurs have had some problems all season but burnley have as well burnley Chris Wood is a, is a major doubt. Eric Peters is a major doubt. Dale Stevens should be back. Ashley Barnes looks like he's out. Goodmanson's out again, and Robbie Brady could be back. It's important players like Chris Wood is an important player. Goodmanson's an important player. Spurs, it's only LaCelso. I mean, he's the only one that's definitely out for the weekend, and he's and he's close to returning as well. So they should be back to full strength fairly soon, or, you know, full strength squad. I I think Spurs win the game. I think Spurs win this game. I think it'll be difficult. It'll be ugly. It'll be gnarly. It's two managers who, at the moment, don't look like they want to win football matches. They want draws, uh, which Spurs can't afford. I'm going to say Spurs win 2-0, and Burnley have one shot on target in the whole game.
0: I mean, they have to win, really, because if they don't, You have to start questioning Mourinho's position, I presume. Um, Which has already kind of happened. Um, But we'll move on to the biggest game on paper of the weekend. It's Chelsea-Man United, who, earlier in the season, played one of the most boring games of football I ever did see. Mm. Um, But this is new Chelsea, and Man United... I've settled into something. <laughs> I'm not sure what, but they've they've certainly settled from that frantic start of the season where they were terrible, but winning games. Um, how, how do you see this one? Because Ollie does seem to be very cautious in these big games.
1: Yeah. Ollie's parking the bus. There's no question. And Chelsea haven't looked particularly good going forward under Tuchel just yet. Um, He's, you know, he seems to be working on the the shape, the principles of play, the structure of the team. He'll get to the finer details as he goes along, but they are struggling going forward. They've relied on penalties to to get them, you know, get them points against Southampton, where they, you know, probably should have lost the game. Uh, they needed the penalty to beat Sheffield United when a, a draw would have been the fair result. Penalty to beat Spurs when again the draw Would have been the fair result and then they did get A draw against Wolves a very boring Nil-nil They beat Burnley 2-0 They beat Newcastle 2-0 like Teams that don't attack teams that don't Really offer a whole bunch uh, Going forward It's at the bridge So he's he's definitely Rolling out the buses if this was Oli against Frank, I think I'd back Oli. But Tuchel's a much better manager than Oli. Much, much better manager than Oli. And I don't think United win, but I don't think they'll lose either. I'm going to say 1-1. But a 0-0 wouldn't surprise me at all. United's injury problems are a bit more severe than than they have been for most of the season. Uh, Cavani and Donny van de Beek... They've they've got COVID now. They're hoping to have them back, but I I doubt they'll play this weekend. McTominay looks like he's out. Dan James looks like he's out. Pogba and Phil Jones are definitely out, and they're about as much use as each other. Um, the only one missing for Chelsea is Thiago Silva. They've been better since he got injured. Defensively, mm-hmm. they look better without him. So, um, I I think that might be a plus. I uh, it's hard to. Tuchel's unbeaten in his six Domestic games Sorry, Six league games, four wins, two draws They beat Atletico in the week In the Champions League, so that'll give them confidence And that was against a very defensive team But I still I still think Oli Oli will get a draw out of this one just by Parking the bus Yeah, I'll I'll go a 1-1 draw
0: yeah, I think that makes sense. I think it's two probably defence first teams. Um in, in the bigger games thing in in the other games it's just hopefully Maguire and Lindelof don't implode. Um, that's, that's
1: exactly it. Yeah. United the only way like United rely on one player far too much. They rely on Bruno far too much.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Fifteen league goals, no one else has more than six. Oh sorry, Rashford has nine. Mm hmm. But that's still six less than, than Bruno. Um, then Cavani on six. They're not getting enough goals from this team. Martial's. Martial's having Martial's a dreadful Harry. season. Four goals this season in the league. It's just mm. unacceptable for a player who has his Natural level of talent and and mm. played as well as he did last season. Like, he was genuinely great last season. Um, yeah, it's a shocker of a season for him. Mason Greenwood hasn't kicked on this season at all. One goal in the league from nineteen appearances—it's not what you're hoping for. Um, But yeah, did you make a
0: Lindelof's flying knee last night?
1: I think that when Lindelof's football career is over, the UFC will be uh, will be giving him a call. (laughs) Uh, It was Jorge Masvidal versus um, Ben Askren. Ben Askren, Uh, yeah, two point oh. I don't really know what to make of it, like. I saw some people say, you know, he should have been sent off. I don't know if I buy that because, like, he didn't—he was jumping for the ball. It's just that, you know, he didn't, get near, didn't get anywhere near the ball. Um, they drew AC Milan in the Europa League. Oh, that'll be good.
0: Did you see the picture of Undertaker and Goldberg? And it said, "This is Milan v. United, the United. <laughs> in 2021." <in 2021. laughs> that
1: should that should be a decent game of football. That should be a decent game of football. United were also allowed to play saucy that at Old Trafford. So, um, uh, Might just I, don't be know, I don't know. Portuguese teams, <laughs> Must just be Portuguese. Portuguese and
0: German teams can't be yeah.
1: coming to England. Um. But yeah, um, I think a 1-1. A 1-1 boar fest.
0: Speaking of 1-1 boar fest, Sheffield United v. Liverpool.
1: Um, right. You know, it's let's, true. Let's just get into this, right? <laughs> Sheffield United have five players out injured. John Egan, Sander Berger, Jack O'Connell, Jack Robinson and Lise Mousset. In my view, four of them are in their best 11. Mousset, O'Connell, Berger, Egan. That's four players are in their best 11. Liverpool have seven players injured. Um, Van Dijk, Milner, Gomez, Matip, Jota, Fabinho and Henderson. I again think four of them are in Liverpool's best 11. Van Dijk, Gomez or Matip, whichever one you want, Jota and Fabinho. Navi is back. Thiago's fully settled in now into the team, into his rhythm. Fabinho could well make this game. He could well be fit for this one. I think if he is, he'll probably start on the bench. But Liverpool don't have any excuses for this game. They just don't. All the excuses are out of the way. Sheffield United are awful. Awful. They're bottom of the league with 11 points. They've scored 15 goals all season and conceded 41. They've won three and drawn two all season. They've lost 20. Nobody else has lost more than 15. There's no excuse for Liverpool not to win this game. With Henderson injured, they now have to play two centre-backs, unless Savinho plays centre-back. But fingers crossed, they'll play two centre-backs. I'd expect it to be Quebec and Nat Phillips. I'd expect to see maybe Jones, Wijnaldum, and Thiago starting midfield again with Naby Keita coming on. They'll have their front three. They have their full-backs. Now, there is obviously the big question mark over Alisson Becker. I don't expect that he'll play, um, given the, the tragedy of the week. Mm-hmm. But I don't expect that he'll play. But even with Quevin Callagher, he's been a solid goalkeeper. He's done okay this year. I don't think Liverpool have any excuses for this one. I really don't think they do. Sheffield United have been atrocious this season. Like, they, they don't score goals. I think they've got eight goals from open play this season. A couple from set pieces, a couple from penalties. Their big-money striker, Ream Brewster, just has given up on scoring goals. They've struggled defensively. They're not offering mass amounts of creativity in midfield. Now, admittedly, they have won three games... From their last 8 They beat Newcastle They beat United away And they beat West Brom At home They've lost 3 in a row To Chelsea, West Ham and Fulham I really don't see any excuse excuse For Liverpool Liverpool's form has been abysmal They've lost 4 in a row They've lost 6 of 9 Over the last 11 games They've taken nine points, that would work out to 31 points over the course of a season, which would be relegation for them. But I still don't accept that there's any excuse for them in this one. I really don't see that there is. They've taken the same amount of points over the last 11 games. That is just... That is sensational.
0: More goals same. scored, though.
1: More goals scored, yeah. We got yeah this. The same goal difference. Same <laughs> goal difference. More goals scored. Liverpool can't get worse. I mean, I, I saw articles today saying that Liverpool fans are in meltdown over Jordan Henderson injury. No, they're not. No, they're not. Why would they be? Can't get any worse. Can't get any worse. He's been the awful. List. It's just adding to the list of the other ten people. <laughs> That's the thing. But he's been poor as well. He's been awful mm. at centre back. He was poor in midfield before that. Mm. Uh, yet Ollie Kay, who who I like, and, and if for anyone that hasn't read Ollie's book, um it is absolutely brilliant. Mm. Um so make sure you go and read that one. But um He he's saying Henderson's Henderson's form hadn't dropped, his level hadn't dropped. Well, unless his level was a championship player, then, yeah, it had dropped. Uh, Forever Young, the story of Adrian Doherty, by the way, is the name of that book. Adrian Doherty was a member of that class of 92 whose you know, career went off off track due to an injury. And then, you know, read the book. It is it is brilliant. I really would advise everybody to read the book. He was as highly rated as Ryan Giggs when they were in the academy together. Um, you know, so you get that narrative from from the media that like, oh, like the players are... Are you know? It, it Jordan Henderson's this great player, and he's you know he's the leader, and he's he sets the tone and the example. It's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Liverpool have been largely dreadful since Van Dyke got hurt. They were poor against Sheffield United at home. They were poor against West Ham at home. They did okay away to City. Decent decent performance. They battered Leicester. Henderson didn't play. Uh, they were poor away to Brighton, they battered Wolves 4-0 at home, thanks in large part to Connor Cody, uh, dreadful away to Fulham, they beat Spurs 2-1, they played poorly in the first half against Palace, and somehow ended up 3-0 up, and then won 7-0, but then, awful against West Brom, awful against Newcastle, awful against Southampton, Awful against United. Awful against Burnley. Played pretty well against Spurs. Played well in spells against West Ham, who played into Liverpool's hands by sticking a fella up front in his own and just launching long balls. Moyes went completely away from everything else they've been doing in that game. And then they were awful against Brighton, awful against City, Played well in spells against Leicester. Were probably the better team to a certain point, and then fell apart. And Everton deserved to beat them. And Jordan Henderson played in almost all those games. He missed Burnley. Yeah, he missed Burnley. He played in all the rest. Played midfield against West Brom was terrible. Midfield against Southampton was te- or against Newcastle was terrible. Played centre back against Southampton and played everybody on side for the goal. Played centre back against United, gifted them, gifted them two chances. Um, didn't play against Burnley. Played centre back against Spurs. Harry Kane led him around like a puppy for the first half. Kane went off; he had no one to mark. He did well second half. Did very well against West Ham, but he had no defensive work to do because they played one up front and uh, Nat Phillips marked them. Um. Awful against Brighton. Awful against City. Laughably poor against Leicester. And then he got off after 30 minutes. um, Went off after 30 minutes on um, the weekend against Everton. So I I don't know what the idea that he's been consistently good is. It's nonsense. Liverpool have no excuse in this game, though. So I'm going to say Liverpool win this game 3-0. And anything less than that is going to be unacceptable to me. Um, you know what we'll do, guy? We'll leave Everton, Southampton till Monday, because mm-hmm. it'll give us something more to talk about on Monday. Um, we'll just leave it those nine games: West City, City, West Ham, West Brom, Brighton, Leicester Villa, Newcastle Wolves, Palace, Fulham, Leicester, Leicester Arsenal, Tottenham, Burnley, Chelsea United, and Liverpool away to Sheffield United as the final game on Sunday. We'll talk about Everton's and Southampton on Monday. My head's battered after that Liverpool thing. So, we'll leave it at that. Um, yeah, that's that's them. That's them nine games. I, I've probably predicted six of them wrong, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, enjoy your weekends. Don't do anything too ridiculous. Don't do anything stupid. You know, keep fighting the good fight. Thank you, as always, to Guy. Thank you to Fox Haunt. Thank you to you guys. I'll see you Monday. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Network.